Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi folks. I would like to introduce myself. My name is Pyle and I am a traveler who also loves to meet people. And I think a blend of both is where this concept of melting pot has come about. In my melting pot series, I will be talking to lots of inspiring people from different parts of the world and also from different cultures whom I meet during all my travels. The common factor between these folks will be the desire to follow their passion and make it a way of life. So step into this melting pot and enjoy the chats. Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Melting Pot, a series of conversations as you already know with very diverse and extremely passionate people from across the globe. My guest today is Kyle Hegarty whom I am talking to in Singapore. I mean the reason why I'm I'm sort of I have this little laugh is because just a second before I started the introduction I wanted Kyle to let me know how to pronounce his last name so he has a little story there which we can share during the conversation. So Kyle and I are you know in conversation here in Singapore. He's the managing director of Leadership Nomad and also the author of The Accidental Business Nomad, which uh, I have a copy of right in front of me, personally signed by him. So thank you so much for being a part of Melting Pot and joining me today, Kyle. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I think before we get into any further details, I would love to get a little sort of backdrop background on uh, your last name. So the, yes, the reason why you were giggling during the intro. It's one of my it's one of my fun facts which is that I have trouble pronouncing my own name. <laughs> I don't know you you asked a very good question which is how do you pronounce your name and I don't know the correct way to do it and I never have. I've always been uh, hesitant to say my own name. Higgerty, uh, it's uh, from from Cork. My father's from from Ireland. And it's spelled a little bit differently than other parts of Ireland. So, but then, of course, when you go to Cork, every other house has got somebody with Hagerty in it. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it's been one of those funny things where people ask, "How do you pronounce your name?" And I, ooh, well, you, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no American way of pronouncing it. I've been called worse. Let's put it that. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> So, Kyle, when did you move to Singapore? Uh, I came here back in 2006, officially. That's when I moved here, so it's been quite some time. And I was in Boston before that. And I always tell this quick story, which is, it, it was really a business reason that, that drove me here. I was involved in a very small company 
in Boston. We were a marketing agency, and essentially we helped build sales pipelines for other companies. Company is very small at the time, but I was getting itchy feet. I've always loved travel, and I've always been interested in international areas and ideas. So I just started telling clients that we were doing this work in other parts of the world. I mean, and I would just kind of say, oh, by the way, we're, we're doing this in Asia if you're interested or if there's any projects. And I kind of went fishing for these, for these deals, uh, having no good reason to do it. I had no idea what I was selling. So your clients were essentially U.S.-based? Mainly uh, U.S. North American tech companies. Okay. And this would have been 2005, 2006, and the, the, the Asia story was certainly gaining momentum at that point. Everybody saw the writing on the wall. The growth was crystal clear. Companies were talking about it. Many were here, but many others were talking about it and had no idea what that first step was going to look like. And I had my small handful of clients and just said, by the way, I'm, I'm doing it there. And a number of them said yes right away, uh, which caused me to, in, an, in a frantic burst of energy, I had to just get onto a plane eventually, fly over here and start networking and hustling around, trying to meet people, trying to figure out what I was going to do, how I was going to service these accounts that I had committed to. And that's kind of where the, the book starts, because I'm, I'm one of the characters of this uh, of this book. We'll talk about that, uh, obviously. But yeah. And, and so, yeah, it really starts with me in 2005, 2006, scurrying around the region, trying to figure out, okay, we've been doing this in the U.S. How the hell am I going to do this across on the other side of the planet? And what I found was that you can't cut and paste a business model <laughs> pretty much in any industry, certainly in a services industry, which we were in. And uh, I learned that the hard, and in some cases, the expensive way. So do you think it's the culture or the mindset of the people? or So why can it not be a cut and paste model? There's a whole number of reasons. I came to the conclusion that culture is a big one. And it's one of the ones I think that is... I call I keep using the word invisible because I think it's one of those things that's not easily defined. It's hard to see and feel and get a sense of. You can understand legal infrastructure differences, which is a factor as well. There are supply chain differences. There are time zone differences. All of these are things that we can get in front of us. But all of a sudden, some of the things that were catching me up and which catch so many other companies up is the communication style the way we build relationships, company in a business environment. My company was building sales relationships. And so we had our way of doing things in the US. Pick up the phone, call a stranger, try and convince or persuade him or her to take, a, take another phone meeting, sell a deal over the phone. And in many parts of Southeast Asia, which would be much more traditionally relationship-based, to do that cut and paste approach didn't work, just didn't have the same uh, impact. One. Two, hiring people to try and do that, to try and find people who would sit in a place like Singapore and cold call strangers all day. It's very hard to find Singaporeans who will do that because that's not really the way things are done around here. And expensive as well. It's incredibly expensive. It's a terrible idea to set up a call center in Singapore, which I learned very quickly. (laughs) I found myself quickly uh, zipping back and forth between here, Philippines, and uh, India. And that's where we ended up putting a lot of people. But then 
what you realize is that you know there's language differences, there's culture differences in all these countries. One of the big mistakes that I made, I, I guess I, I think that American companies and Western companies are guilty, is that they look at Southeast Asia as a market. I, you hear this still to this day. The ASEAN market has 500 million people in it or you know, whatever the numbers are. And, and the growth in this market is, and you hear entrepreneurs looking at, they're trying to, they're trying to get funding. They're saying, well, we, we think we can you know, get into this ASEAN market. There's no market. It's 10 markets. Yeah. Singapore's yeah. a market, and it's, it's very different than Malaysia. And yeah. Malaysia's a very big place because the Kuala Lumpur region is very different than how you would deal with work in Sabah. Uh, in, you know, you go, it goes on and on. Their next-door neighbors are Thailand. There's nothing similar to that. Yeah. And so what you'd find is that what I found and what others continue to find is that this region, I think more than any other regions, region in the world, is more diverse, and that impacts a business growth strategy in in, in pretty extreme ways or pretty uh, expensive ways, shall we say? Makes sense. You um, get yeah, you, you get this there, and you know this growth story, and that's what trickles back to the West over the last twenty years, which is this is where all of the excitement, this is the action, this is where all the growth is happening. And that's true, but at the same time, it's it's not you don't fly over here, open up shop, and everything just starts growing organically the way it does back home. Yeah, and that was really one of the big aha moments to have to go through. My business was to take Western companies and help them go through that. So I saw this just repeat itself over and over again, and I ended up writing the book because these patterns still happen to this day. The mistakes are, in many cases, very similar. And I do think it often comes back to that culture piece, that invisible stuff that we started talking about. Yeah, it makes sense because, uh, like you, I mean, for example, India is is one country. Technically, it's, technically it's one country. Yeah, yeah. similar <clears throat> to the U.S. But within India itself, every state is like a country. Way more diverse. That's very, right. Very, very diverse. That's right. So, yeah. There's a... Um, there's a phrase recently that came out of India and, and which was they're, they're talking about internal globalization and what the what, what, what was meant was that they're trying to promote business within their country so they're trying to say to their Indian entrepreneurs okay you know we're going to help you with an expansion strategy in India and we know that it's so diverse it's kind of a globalization play but it's just within our our borders because it's so diverse India is a perfect example of just how large and complex one so-called market actually is. Yeah. So how did the book come about? Is it more your personal experiences that, you know, what what kind of got you yeah. into writing? Well, I guess, so I went through this business Journey. We came here. I came here alone. Uh, you know, I, I set. It was a one-man shop. We got up to about forty-five people, and I needed people in all of these different countries because of the language, because of the differences that we've talked about. So I found myself managing this very diverse remote team back starting in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and what. I found was that it was incredibly difficult to try and manage this stuff, to try and, in many cases, even with one client, it was like running seven or eight 
clients simply because of all of the differences from a culture, from a structure, infrastructure standpoint, to try and deliver a quote-unquote Asia program because it was that different. And I think you also would need to, I mean, so if you had, for example, a team in Vietnam, mm-hmm. you personally were, in order for you to communicate with the company back in the US, That's right. you would need to understand the the thinking, the mindset. Uh, so it was a learning for you, I guess, as well. Uh, look, I, I'm my first. I'm my first client when it comes to cross cultural communication and trying to figure this stuff out. The reason I got into writing it was exactly that, which was say, wait a minute, I'm I'm making all of these mistakes. I'm seeing everybody else make the mistakes. I am. Having these conver- these expat conversations at the end of the week, you know, we go to an expat bar and where everybody's complaining about all this stuff. And I got a little bit frustrated because I felt like the complaints and the conversations weren't changing. The years would go on and it was the same griping and complaining about these challenges. These people don't get it. So-and-so, to, you know, these guys don't work hard. These guys don't know how to think. So they but, were not, like, digging <clears throat> deeper. It seemed yeah. like it was the yeah. same conversation. On the surface, yeah. And I'm yeah. going, wait a minute, there's got... So I'm looking around and saying, there are companies that are cracking this code. Uh, there are local companies that are killing it here. They're doing really well. And clearly there's some, you know, there's something we're missing here. You know, if you, if you start... If you go and have these conversations, and it does turn into sometimes people pointing fingers and blaming others. You go, wait a minute, we're actually the the problem here, or we're a piece of this. And I think that that introspection needs to be dug into a little bit more. That's what I'm trying to do, which is to say, and, and the first chapter of the book starts in a bar. Uh, I kind of jokingly say every good story starts in a bar, but the the intent was very deliberate, which was to say, okay. Here's your standard expat moment of a couple guys complaining at a bar after work. What's that journey? What's that learning process that we can go through so that we can be better than that? It starts there, but there's got to be a way to be able to become more sophisticated and more advanced in terms of understanding and managing international teams and growing business in a international markets. So what, when, when was your book launched? Oh, uh, I have, the timing was perfect. It was, <laughs> it was right in the middle of the summer of 2020 in the U.S. is when it came out. So it was right in the protests where I couldn't fly in to, to do any of this stuff. The U.S. was really focused on their own internal domestic challenges. The global business story probably, you know, the, the timing in that in some cases wasn't that good, but we went with it anyway. Uh, my argument is that companies and organizations have gone global but people have not and even in a lockdown that we're in where we can't travel anymore these problems actually are going to multiply because of zoom because of skype because now we're not we're not just a flight away we're a click of a button away from managing people in different parts of the world i've talked to a number of people they're they're actually having more international conversations now than they were a year ago Because a year ago, you'd say, okay, well, let's put this off and we'll fly over there and we'll sort this out next month. Well, now it's, now there's conversations are, have increased. So I launched it in the U.S. over the summer and then it just launched here in late August. And what has the impact been? Have you seen like, you know, a lot of, I know you mentioned that you, you've been sort of promoting the right, book right. And, and that's how you're talking to me that's, as well. Okay, yep. <laughs> 
But, I mean, do you think that... I guess it's it's not short-term, right? It's long-term, the impact of the book. And so where where do you think you are at with the book at the moment? The word that keeps coming to mind is community. I'm building, I'm, I'm finding, I'm getting the message out there and I'm finding the tribe, the people that have these challenges, that have had a conversation with somebody in another part of the world. They thought one thing, the other group or side thought something else and something broke that can happen ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a client situation, you can, that can happen in a partnership if you are expanding into different parts of the world, even because we're all in such, you know, there's so many different behavior types out there. This is not an international thing necessarily. This is an individual behavior type thing. So I'm looking for people that acknowledge that there are these large but invisible communication and working style differences that are out there. They want to explore that a little bit more detail, have a little bit of fun with it, and then look at tools to be able to overcome it. That's who I'm searching for in my, in my community, in my tribe. Uh, the people that have found me and have read this book, and you could kind of, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling waking up and getting an email from somebody that you have no idea, and they go, yes, this is what I've been looking for. Come speak. Come, come talk to our team. Come do this. Uh, and and. That's been wonderful, and and that's been slowly building up. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that so is something that. that you're through your book. Um, you're focusing <clears throat> on, you know, going and sort of talking to people and as a speaker. Yes. And are you also, because I read somewhere that you teach as well? You're listening to a fusion of stories recounted for the first time ever by some fascinating people from across the globe with me, Payal, on this very unique and special podcast series, Melting Pot. So actually, so yes, so I've been doing, I guess, an adjunct lecturer. I'm not quite sure the phrasing, but I've done lecture work as well as coursework for through universities here as well as now in the U.S. One of the things that was interesting, and that's both at a student level, but also at a corporate level. So a lot of the work I'm doing through SMU here is with the enterprises or the corporates. Okay. One thing that was interesting was the response has been particularly positive with professors, international relations professors or international business professors in the U.S. who have said, look, there's a ton of material out here. 
this is an this is a gritty on the ground, you know, not always politically correct, but very realistic story or series of stories of what it's actually like trying to expand a business into new markets. We'd love you to come in and talk. So that that's actually I think I didn't plan for that. But that but seems to be where the, the tribe yeah. Has, yeah. Has, has come from. Wow. So that's been fun. So I've been yeah. doing virtual lectures or, or talks at universities all through god-awful hours just because of time zone differences. Yeah. So yes, you can find me in my home office at uh, one in the morning uh, lecturing people in Seattle, uh, the U.S. <laughs> and you can't sort of, um, you can't say, okay, I'm just going to mute it or because you're the one who's communicating, right? So like what a lot of the students <clears throat> are doing, those who happen to not be able to go back, especially right. to the U.S., because everything yes. at the moment is online. A lot of them have to study at these really ridiculous hours. <clears throat> and so they just fortunately, you know, it's become a bit flexible in terms okay. of attendance. Got it. So can they like watch recordings? Yeah, and they can like watch that? recordings. Yeah. I think they, yeah. or if they want their presence to be felt without actually contributing, they just right. keep themselves logged on, right. but they're somewhere else. They're probably sleeping. Or, yeah. So yeah, so it must be tough for you in that sense. But look, I mean, it's tough for everybody. So I, I, I think that... No, because the, you have to be present. You've got to, you've got <laughs> yeah. to be on. Yeah, this is, be, but this yeah. is no different than the corporate world of dealing with time zones as well. And yeah. as you know, you know, APAC markets, plural... Uh, are the ones that get the short end of the stick when it comes to global conference calls. We're the ones who are uh, doing the late night stuff. So in many cases, this was not that different. Uh, I jokingly was saying earlier this year that I'm experiencing 2020 jet lag, which is you, you, I'm still having I'm still have jet lag, but it's just because I've been on these weird hourly yeah, you know calls. And not because in the you're the on a plane. No, so it's, it's, <laughs> so, this is 2020 style. <laughs> 2020 style, I think, has been so... I mean, it's just... This this year is going to go down in history. Now, one of the things, to going back to it, though, from a, from a... You know, if you put a positive spin on this mess, is that I, I'm getting to talk to 20 or 40 or a couple of weeks ago, a couple of hundred students all scattered throughout the country. Uh, I was talking to somebody at a university in Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago, and then I was in you know Seattle, all from my third bedroom. Uh, and, and there's incredible opportunities there. I'm going to be doing some uh, talk with 600 attendees from from you know without pants on. <laughs> so, so there's, yeah. there's, you know to put a, to put the bright side of this yeah. is that you do you you can uh, get get your message out there. You do miss, I think, you know, the, the face-to-face piece of this. But, you know, we, we have to work with what we've got. Yeah. Do you think moving forward, there's going to be a shift in the way companies approach this whole communication? So, good. It's, so I think the way you phrased that question is really interesting because there's obviously a shift towards remote. Everybody was forced into the remote work right away. Now... The response is just so mixed. I mean, if you look at the surveys that are being done worldwide, employees are are giving responses across the board. Some absolutely love it, and they're saying, look, I'm not going back. You you, you try and get me to go back, I'm not going. Others want to go back, and it depends on the industry, it depends on the company. Others want a hybrid, a lot of them want hybrids. 
but then what's that going to look like? Uh, I'm working with a company right now headquartered in London, and they I think they made a mistake. They, they just started declaring, okay, we're going to do half on, half off. Here are the hours figured out. And different teams are now realizing that they have different needs and preferences. Uh, I think that the smarter way to manage this is it's got to be a distributed answer, right? We're in distributed teams. I think we need distributed solutions to this. All of what I'm talking about here is more from a structural standpoint. I think your question was, how's the communication going? Yeah, yeah. And that's a very different and important question because I think at the surface level, it goes fine in the short term, but there's cracks that start forming. If you don't have a team that has a solid baseline of trust, it doesn't take much in a virtual team setting for things to go off the rails very quickly. Add the cross-cultural piece to this, where misunderstandings happen more frequently, this increases the likelihood of challenges. So I think that one thing that people need to work on would be how do you restructure communication to make it so that it fits this 2020 style and, and probably beyond? There are answers to this, and it's still something that's evolving, but I think that there's a long way to go. Because what's happened for the most part is people went about their business. It was business as usual, just remote. And I think if that was the mindset, that's probably in the long term not going to work. Because it's not business as usual. You click on to a conference call, you don't get the informal communication. You don't get the water cooler chat, the quick conversations on the elevator ride up and you know the contact you don't get the yeah. same contact yeah. it's it's yeah. a it's a digitally awkward yeah yeah uh, and then you get everybody staring at this dot and they're kind of everybody and everybody actually nods this is one of the things they've noticed <laughs> whether they agree or not people just start they just kind of nod and i mean if you if you watch some of these things on fast forward it's actually really it's funny but it's kind of creepy it's yeah. just a bunch of people not blinking staring at this dot just nodding <laughs> You get no feedback or real response, yeah. call and response to this. And that, I think, starts, starts adding to problems. So the answers, and a lot of them are things that I think that people don't necessarily want to hear, but it takes a lot more informal one-on-one conversations. And I, I find that team leaders, actually you could be a leader at any level, the people that initiate those more informal conversations, and you have to initiate it, because it's not going to organically happen at the water cooler yeah. anymore. Yeah. Those type that's like one somewhat easy tip to try and bring a sense of normalcy or better understanding to what's going on. Uh, I just sent out a my I sent out a newsletter that goes out once a month and I sent one out this morning. And one of the ideas was a quarterly audit where you go back and you ask people almost this quadrant of questions, which is, you know, what do you, what's something that you're really happy about that you personally did over the last couple of months? What's something that you just didn't get that you were hoping for? Uh, what's something that, you know, I don't know, you think you could have done better? What's something you learned? There's variations to this. But I had a, a company do this or a team do this, and they started finding out from individuals on the team, look, I've been waiting for this bloody, you know, whatever it was, right? This report. In, the, in one case, it was actually a physical thing that they that had broken and it didn't get fixed. Nobody knew that this particular woman was, that was, that was the thing that was 
for, excuse my language, this is the thing that was pissing her off more than anything else. And nobody in the team had any idea about it. And there are so many things like that that individually we all go through that you just don't see anymore if you're remote. And it's a kind of a weird example, but sometimes you only uncover it when you ask. Yeah. And so I think that one of the uh, takeaways from a team leadership standpoint is you've got to have a bunch more questions targeted calibrated questions at the ready and you've got to be almost on like hyper alert to be looking for teammates uh, who may have some stuff that is under the surface that you've got to dig a little bit deeper to find put in a culture layer and that makes it even more extreme because there are some people both from a culture and individual level who don't speak up who aren't going to tell you and it's going to sometimes take you you know four or five different variations to get to it so you probably need you know you need to add on another layer of people who would whose job would be to just focus on uh, not on a personal level but just to as a leader to be able to bring out i so i would say you know Right now, many companies aren't thinking about hiring more people right Correct. now. I fact, think that yeah, the responsibility, yeah, people, unfortunately, yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that the responsibility lies on every individual. It's not business as usual. And if you're doing things the same way you've been doing them, something's probably wrong or something's going to go wrong. And so I think that these are all tools that anybody can add into their their tool Personally, bag, right? You yeah, know, they, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, uh, yeah. Their kit. Yeah. And it's up to individuals to take the initiative to do it. Tools are one thing, and then actually changing your behavior is is another one. I believe, and I'm seeing it a little bit, I think there's going to be a lot more one-on-one coaching opportunities in the next year or so as budgets start hopefully opening up a little bit because I think that there's going to be a lot of team leaders that realize they need to upgrade these communication approaches. It's not like their styles before were wrong. It's just we're in a different yeah, world different. now, so yeah. things need yeah, to get adjusted. Absolutely. This is, I mean, this is stuff that we wrestled with 15 years ago. I'm still wrestling with it. I'm still trying to figure it out. I wrote a book about it. <laughs> still trying to figure it out. Still trying to figure it out. <laughs> but at least you got to a point where, where you were able, you know, you crystallized things and you sort of pinned them down. I jokingly say that, you know, there's that historical learning framework. It's a four-grid framework. I sound like a consultant now. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, you, you where you don't know what you don't know. That's the starting point. And then you want to get to that point where you have that aha moment where you probably screw something up and you realize you don't know what you don't know. And it's a really big gap to overcome that, right? Or to go from phase one to phase two. Phase three is I'm open to ideas. I I realize something's changed here that I'm not used to. Uh, And then phase four is mastery, which is you've kind of figured this stuff out. And how long do you think that transition typically look part of the somewhat hopefully funny stories here is of many people that never got out of phase one (laughs) right like they just had the blinders on because they think business is done the way they think it should be done and those are the men and women who in many a lot of these stories are east-west culture clashes and what you see is companies and individuals rushing into new markets slamming their approach in 
thinking that's going to work, and it, and it rarely, if ever, does. The cases where it does, it's mainly just because they've thrown so much money at it. But more, more often than not, that going from that phase one to phase two, I think, is such an important journey. And, and that's one, you know, I'm talking about it in the book from a global business standpoint. It's the exact same idea from a now suddenly people working remotely. Same, same learning. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kyle. I've, I've really enjoyed listening to you. And, you know, good luck with everything that you've, you've been sort of, you've set yourself out to do. Let's see what 2021 has oh, for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely going to read this book and you know and i'll obviously share your your stories being shared through this podcast and i appreciate it happy talking to you thank you appreciate (laughs) the invite again thank you thank you can't wait for all you my listeners to pick up a copy of kyle's book the accidental nomad would highly recommend reading it It's so interesting to hear him talk about the approach in marketing that can never be a copy-paste from one part of the world to another. It's always the culture that needs to be the one that people have to be conscious of. Hope you've enjoyed listening to Kyle on this very special podcast series, Melting Pot. Until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.